Hi, this is Matt Welsh with Spiritual Media Blog, and tonight I'm here with Vicki King, best-selling author and leading consultant to the entertainment industry, as well as advisor to successful sports figures, Fortune 500 CEOs, and even royalty. Vicki, thanks so much for being here with us today. Thank you, Matt. It's always wonderfully a pleasure to talk to you because I was thinking before, because you get it. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I mean, I feel the same way. I, it's nice to nice talking with you too. I feel like it's a like-minded person. <laughs> um, and to, so tonight, I thought it would be a fascinating conversation to talk about moving from surviving to thriving. And just to give um, our audience a little bit of context, um, you know, when you talk about surviving or, or when you talk about thriving or creating abundance, what do those words mean to you? What does that mean to be thriving or creating abundance? You know, to me what it means is that we all come in and we have a core wound that, you know, that kind of tears us uh, immediately when we um, land, boom, you know, on earth. And and it kind of splits us, you know, and therefore we're, we're, we're kind of wanting to get back to our connectivity. Mm-hmm. And so to me, uh, thriving is when you, when you no longer have to use all the, the survival tools to understand yourself, to get your feet under yourself, you know, and feel grounded and that you can go forward on your destiny. And so then to me, that's the moment when it's a turning point where then all riches and all abundance comes to you because you put down the surviving tools and pick up thriving tools. And that way you can go, you know, literally split right to your destiny. That's, that's, a, that's a good way to put it. I mean, if I, what I'm hearing from that is for you, thriving is being connected to your intrinsic purpose or calling or destiny in life. Yeah. And, and when you are, then that means you're in alignment. And when you're in alignment, it means you're harmonized with everything so that you're not fighting your environment or fighting everyone around you, uh, that there's um, a connectivity in that, you know, that, there, that life actually works. Because the truth is, life actually does work. But we don't always experience that because we're fighting it and we're controlling it and we're wanting something other than what is. All those um, elements come into play with all human beings. You know, it's a human thing. I see. And so just so we're on the same page here, is thriving for you, is that more of an inner or spiritual or psychological concept? Or does what does that have to do with... Um, making it in the world like financial success or having a, a steady uh, career? What's the connection between the, the inner and the outer world for you? As above, so below. As within, so without, as you're saying, the inner and the outer world. Yeah. So when, when you clear it up on the inside, that's it. That's why we've, uh, many people feel powerless because they're trying to corral it from outside themselves. And you can't. It doesn't work that way. So settle it in you and the enormity of that com- completely brings to you that which you're feeling on the inside. Like I wrote a book called Feelization. You know, the concept of feeling it in your heart, 
you have it in your life. You know, like the feeling, what do you, what kind of feeling you want to have when you have a new Tesla? You don't have to get the new Tesla first to have the feeling. Just what do you want to feel in the Tesla? And then the Tesla will show up because you're exuding the feeling from within. Yeah. And I, I, I totally believe that. And I get that. I, um, I work with a lot of people though, that they, they struggle with the outer world. Like they are, they are struggling just to survive. I mean, for them, they might not have enough money to pay their bills. They might, um, you know, hate their job. They might, um, and they're, and they're thinking to themselves, if I only had a new job or if I only had enough money to pay my bills, or if I could only lose, you know, get rid of my physical pain, it's, you know, what sort of advice or suggestions would you give to someone who's, you know, survivalist needs aren't, are their basic needs aren't even being met? Right. Therein lies the intelligence of your question, which is that we all have needs that must be met. And what happens in survival is you have the sensation of not having your needs met. That's what it is. And so you have to set out to figure that out. Like, for instance, um, I was doing, um, uh, I was on the um, suicide line, you know, when people would call in and they would be very desperate for themselves. Well, if you talk to them, you find that, you know, in a way, oh, we just had an earthquake. It's oh. just shaking here. Oh, my goodness. Do you need a, a minute or two to make sure everything is safe? Oh so when when uh, when when the earth shakes for people yeah. you know, they they think um like people on the suicide line will always want to save the world it's you know enormous and they feel small and powerless and they, you know oh what can they do i'm gonna but if you ask them when was the last time you ate and are your feet cold um have you slept you know, um, when did you take a shower last? The, the very, very fundamental needs that aren't met. And so when all of that is not met, then you can you feel the enormity of everything out of your control. But yeah. if you just control some very simple things, see, it's all about our, it's all relational. So it's all about our relationship to our own self. And the more you can be in harmony with yourself, the more um, you have peace, and you have, and you know, and you you uh, get good ideas. You know, you feel more confident about um, asking for help, and you know, and a job, and uh, you know, all other things. But if it's completely overwhelming on you, then you feel like it's all just outside of yourself. Yeah, totally. You yeah, and I mean, how do you how do you help people? I mean, when you were talking to the people on the suicide line or just other people in your work, how do you get people to um, recognize that to, to to shift from being just so focused on these external like job, you know, money, whatever, to get them to realize that they can create that peace by being in harmony with their inner self. Yeah, it's very fundamental. It's just the thing of, you know, um, put socks on if your feet are cold. Yeah. Really, yeah. really, 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 really physical, easy, doable 
for anybody who is even in dire straits in terms of overwhelm. And so when you begin to make a connectivity about taking care of you, then it expands that way. And it's just astonishing, you know, how that goes. Because the point is, you know, we we want to um, allow that people have the sensation of power within themselves rather than powerless. Yeah, so I'm, I'm hearing for you, maybe for some people who are just in that very basic survivalist mode to help them learn how to take care of their most simple basic needs like, you know, eating, sleeping, um, taking a shower, just helping them start off with those and then move on to, to greater things. Is that is that what I'm hearing? What's, what happens with people uh, when someone is an adult and they're in dire straits and suffering in that way, what it is is it's a recreation of the pattern from early in their life, always. And, it, and the gift is it's being recreated so that you can uh, uh, solve it now in a different way. You know, because when we're kids, we can't say, later I'm getting my own apartment, you know, when you're three years old. You have to deal. You have to be there. You've got to function. So you make surviving ideas. You make um, uh, decisions for yourself. Well, you know, I, um, uh, I'm going to be afraid of all boys because that boy beat me up at school. So then um, that would be a person that when she gets to her adulthood and she's thinking, oh, my gosh, I'm, I'm not capable of having a relationship with a, with a man. Yeah, she has to then redecide and think. You know, I'm an adult now, and I can like make money. I can be, you know, relational with with somebody, and that they can be kind to me. So those are um, decisions that you can remake in a different way. And, and again, I I totally agree. I I mean, how do you how do you help people to do that? Because you're talking about getting them to challenge beliefs that they've had about themselves. For maybe 20, 30, 40 years, I mean, just as your work, you know, as a consultant and life coach helping people, how do you get people to challenge and change some of those beliefs that they've held on to for their whole life? Well, um, the first thing is that they don't know that they've got the belief. And so we go back to when they were two years old or four years old. Usually it's around in there. It's usually it's, you know, by by the range of three. So two, three, four. Um, there's always what I refer to as a tear. It's like where they you get a uh, a wrong idea, you know, and it's like no, now that now um, um, mommy doesn't love me, yeah, or uh, or anything, any random thing, and it can happen from you know that that mommy drops the accidentally drops the candy on the floor and you can't eat it then, <laughs> so you know mommy hates me. You know, it, it's it's always um, it doesn't have to be something that is uh, a, a major. Um, trauma. It has to be something that the child um, sets a belief. And then that belief is constantly proven. You know, we love, you know, when our humans love to have our mind be right. And so the mind wants to constantly prove that, um, see, there's evidence. See, that's, oh, there, mommy doesn't love me. There, see, you can see that, you can see that. And you do that until you get to hopefully sometime in your adult life, usually you start 
coming to these terms in your 20s, you switch from surviving to thriving. And there's and what happens is we're really, really good at survival tools because we have to be. Otherwise, we would not get to 20 years old. And so then it's really, you know, people have their, like, they got their grip on the survival tool because they're so good at them that they don't want to put them down and pick up a thriving tool, pick up a, an adult way. Like I had a client the other day and he, um, he said, oh, he never, he, the, um, having no money uh, always um, is his problem. He can, you know, money always eluded him. So what it was, was when he was a kid, there wasn't any money for food. And so then what he did, I, you know, I asked him, well, what, you know, what did you do about that? He said he ran down the street to his aunt and uncle's house when it was dinner time so they could eat. So I said, so now as an adult, I think he was 28 or so, as an adult, um, do you um, sleep on your friend's couches? <laughs> you know, are you, you know... Um, uh, going over to, to friends' houses for dinner and everything. He said, oh, my God, <laughs> yes, because it was a pattern that oh, was established wow. that was really, really good for him to survive yeah. when he was five. But now that he's 28, he can make a different choice. He can get a job. Yeah, that's great. So it's but he was locked in to the survival tool. Yeah, so I mean, you're helping helping your clients become aware of some of these patterns, where they came from, and when they become aware of it, then they can make a, a choice to act differently. Is, is that is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, because the truth is that anything that comes up in your life as an adult is not about what comes up in your life as an adult. <laughs> not the circumstance that is happening currently. It is always an opportunity to repattern a belief that you you made as a child that you had to make that you were brilliant making it and now you can let it go yeah and just and I, and I know the type of work you do but just for some of our audience out there uh, fill us in a little bit you've talked about this work with your client tell us a little bit about the work that you do just in general well i was born with um full remembrance and so then i'm clairvoyant so then what i can do is i can look at people's lives and their belief systems and track it you know it's very simple it's real clear for me to see it outside of them and then we can we can make i usually like metaphor people love to have a story and so then you know they can kind of track back and find a um a scene in their life from when they were a kid that they might never have remembered prior to that but suddenly it's the metaphor that explains their entire life you know like oh no wonder oh of course you know that's the the beauty is like when you get that oh oh what you know that astonishment um then that shifts it it's like you don't really have to do a lot more than that you can you can you know you can um come up with um other um wisdoms and other ideas for yourself and how you want to conduct yourself but really you can um, breakthrough by just uh, being able to do that. Yeah, and I mean, as far as I mean, your work goes with some of the more challenging clients you've had. What are some of the blocks that you see them putting in the way of themselves and creating abundance or thriving? Well, 
you know, humans, you know, humans, yeah. they love to not do the thing they want to do. Um, they love to sabotage themselves. Um, there's all kinds of fight that you have with your own self. Yeah. And it's never, it's never anybody outside yourself, even right. though you can find, you know, materialize somebody to pick a fight with, but it's always you healing you. Right. Yeah. And I, I, again, I totally agree. I mean, how do you, how do you work with people like that? How do you help facilitate the process of overcoming that self-sabotage? So, um, a client I had the other day, she's very, um, accomplished, really talented. Um, and, and in the past she has, uh, made tremendous amounts of money and she, um, then married uh then she she had a marriage and then there was a there was something about money that figured into the the separating of that marriage okay. so that there was a huge amount of money and then no money you know it's gone and she had she left the marriage so then she had the second marriage now in the second marriage there was no money and she, no matter what she tried to do, she couldn't bring in any. And what it was was that it's, it was just that she was, she was afraid that she would lose her man. And so then she decided in her heart that it was more important for her to have him than to have money. Well, the truth is you can have both. Yeah, yeah. And so it took her a while to... Um, to come through those feelings and those thoughts and change that pattern. And the pattern can be changed within, you know, just when you decide. It's like, wait a minute, oh, oh, I can have both. And immediately, <laughs> immediately, it, um, it, it completely changed for her. Yeah, that's, that's great. And so, I mean, again, I'm hearing it's, it's helping people become aware of their patterns and their beliefs, where it came from, and then when they become aware of that, then they can help to to challenge it and change it. Right, and you know the the uh, the, circ- the current circumstance in your life that feels agonizing, or you can't break through it, or any of those things, it's never the circumstance. It's yeah. always an opportunity to heal the belief that was way, way, way back when you were four years old. I, yeah. And I, I, I agree. Um, how do you, how do you balance that with people who have, you know, authentic sadness or grief? Maybe they've lost a loved one. Um, and they are very just sad or grieving and that, you know, how do you balance letting them have that grief and that sad emotions while still not getting stuck in there and being able to move forward. You know, while there, of course, you know, there is grief and there's, there's sadness in the world. Yeah. Um, any suffering is, and you know, and grief and sadness is often different than suffering, Right. but any suffering is because there are two things going on simultaneously. One is what is, and the other thing is, how you want it to be instead of what is. Yeah. And that's where suffering has, you know, it's, it's like a squeaky, you can't get that to oil up. Yeah. Um, and then you have to, you have to be able to 
get with what is. Like, for instance, if your loved one has died, you grieve. And you want to allow yourself whatever, you know, and grief is a funny thing. You know, it can, you think, oh, I'm fine. And then, you know, it can hit you like a swinging door. Um, So you want to be malleable in terms of your honest feelings. And you'll see that it will, you know, come forth out of it. I have a, this is an interesting example. Um, So uh, there's a a woman who, um, my, you know, my, I was in the, the fire in the, you know, in the, um, so the, um, uh, the woman said to me, um, oh, she wanted to tell me all about the fire she was in, which was way, way back sometime, you know, I don't know how many years ago. And, and it was so real to her, you know, and so deep. And she thought that what she was doing was, um, continuing to have a grief around that fire. But no, what it actually was, was unresolved patterns from her childhood. Oh, wow. And so it wasn't that she needed to heal the grief from the fire 15 years ago, but the pattern kept coming up and coming up. And what the pattern was, was that she was not recognized in the family. She was, you know, she was like uh, flamed out, you know, it was like um, there was all loss to her and she didn't feel safe and the home was pulled out from under her, all these things. And so the fire gave her an opportunity to be able to, um, to heal that, but she didn't use it to heal it. She just used it to tell the victim story over and over and over again. Wow. Yeah. Now people love their victim story. And they will tell it until they get sick of telling it. Yeah. Um, you know, everybody else doesn't want to hear it anymore. But even when they don't want to hear it anymore, then it can go. But you can change a victim story within a moment. All you have to do is just tell it differently. Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, you know, you mentioned the Malibu fires. Can you can you speak a little bit of, or can you speak about that what happened to you, to your house? How did you respond? I mean, tell us well, about that. It's, it's gone. And I think, you know, for everyone, it was a different story for everybody. Yeah. It, it's just a concanny because whatever was up for you and whatever you needed to experience, you did. See, for me, I felt like, I'm, I mean, I just am in awe because it was it was like the gift of the next iteration. Wow. And, and I'm, I'm like, I'm in this place now. And it, I'm in awe. I come in here and I think, well, how, where I am now is um, the person who was living here, um, she, her, her father died. So she had to move out to take care of her mother. So I thank that man all the time because if he hadn't died, yeah. you know, this just showed up for me. Wow. And now that doesn't mean that I'm here permanently, you know, whatever. Um, but I am here, I know, to finish my book, that my, you know, my next book. And I look out on the ocean and the islands and the boats and everything. And, uh, you know, lucky me. 
I, I mean, I really admire that attitude. I mean, again, you're someone who I'm, I'm hearing you, you practice what you preach. I mean, you're, you're looking at this as an opportunity to heal and grow. Is what, that's what I'm, that's what it sounds like. I, yeah. I mean, I'm still just curious though. I mean, tell us about the moment that you heard that your house was. Well, my house, I saw my house burn on television. Oh my gosh. <laughs> And I mean, in in that moment, what you know, what went through your mind? I mean, I I it felt it felt very peaceful. It felt like okay, because I was fortunate to know to know. I mean, many people that everybody was evacuated. A lot of people didn't know if their house burned or didn't oh. until they came back from evacuation, and so. You know, that was good. That was lucky for, to be able to see it. It was like, okay, all right, well, I'll get the, you know, respirator and the hazmat suit. And when I can go in, I'll go in. Oh, jeez. And then you literally, did you literally see it just on the news? Like you just happened to see your house in flames on a news channel? Some, somebody called me. And uh, I was staying at a friend's house. And I don't know how they managed to get through because there was no communication, you know, though. Way, the phones were down and such, and and somebody just random calls you. Turn on, you know, channel twelve or five or whatever the thing is. And then, and, and there it was. And then in, in in that moment, then you just sort of looked at this. This is an opportunity to to go to a different stage in my life or have a different adventure or my. I knew um, this was funny because the the three months time where the fire was going to be hap was happening. Yeah. I, organizing myself to finish the book you know my book that I'm doing now and I ordered um those store all boxes you know 12 store all boxes from from Staples and I knew that there was going to be a big um shifting up of things yeah so I could finish well you know here's here's what it was it was this incredible fire Oh my gosh! I mean, that's I. I think that's impressive. I, I don't think I would have handled it that well. <laughs> I just would have been annoyed that I would have to move all my stuff and find another, or lose all my stuff and then find another place to live. But I well, in the, in my book, I didn't know I was going to have a fire chapter. <laughs> no, no, I have that. And tell tell me about your book. I didn't even I didn't even know you were writing another book. What what is it and what's it about? This book is about, um, it's a memoir of a human life from before we're born to the, the, the time we die and shows the arc of what life on earth really is for and what we're doing here rather than what we think. And so people can look up um, their age, you know, chapter 23, if they're 23, chapter 52, and the story that's for that age um, informs somebody around that age, you know, what their, what way they will turn their maturity and how, you know, what they will be handling. You know, the, the circumstances will be different for each person, but just the level of moving through your life uh, is there. And is this like every age or is it every five years, every 10 years or? Every age. Really, and so is it like you have like a, a page for every age, or how does that how does that work? What more? Each one is is um, is kind of the um, the quintessential 
metaphoric um, expression of that year. Oh, that's really interesting. It's, it's a scene that you know will be for that year. And um, so when this is when you say a memoir of a human life, you're you're it's not a it's not a specific individual that you're talking about. This is more the universal like memoir of like a universal human, just the common things we all might go through at certain ages. No, it's my life. Oh, okay. And of course, it's completely universal because even though my I have a unusual life and yeah. a lot different than a lot of people's lives it still tells the truth about all of us oh that's really fascinating i mean um was there any particular like age or moment and i mean I, I don't want you to give away too many details of the book i <laughs> now i have 10 more questions but i mean just was there anything in there a particular age or a particular moment that was you know, a big aha moment for you, or I have the aha of every age, oh. a long way. Yeah, I'll tell you. I'll tell you a little one that um, was uh, recently, and that is that um, uh, in Malibu, you know, people were spooked after the fire, and they weren't doing very well. In fact, a lot of them are still not doing well. They're. It's just um, they. They. They can't get a grip. Yeah. Because it's quite enormous, all this. So um, uh, the, the uh, Malibu Film Society is, um, uh, we always have first-run films, you know, and usually the producers and actors and all come, you know. But we, but it was interrupted because of all the mudslides and evacuation and fire and all such. So then um, <laughs> they decided, well, we should do something light and fun you know, for, for Malibu. So they wanted to show Gidget. And because the, the person who was, was Gidget, is, she lives in Malibu and she's in her 70s now. And, you know, they wanted to have hot dogs and just fun to lighten everything up. And so I went because it was part of the community, you know, to be there. Now, I, I, I never resonated to Gidget. That was never one of my icons that interested me. But I was very interested in that film um, when I saw it when I was, like, about 14 years old. Uh, and the, uh, for the character that was a Cliff Robinson character who was older than the kids who were surfing and uh, independent, and they called him Kahuna. Well, throughout my life, people have called me Kahuna a lot of times. So anyway, um, I resonated to him at 14. So I'm sitting there watching this film, and at the very end, Cliff Robinson, um, uh, it's at the end of the summer, and he deconstructs his shack that's on the beach, you know, to throw it out to go forward in his life. And I realize that the beach was my beach. Oh, wow. They filmed that oh, at my beach. Really? Like so when I was 14 years old in Chicago, I was affected by this story, this idea, this person. And look what I created. I I created that I moved <laughs> to oh, that spot to wow. be the kahuna and the independent person that I am. Wow. <laughs> so you know, influences are astonishing from very early on. Yeah, it really is. And I mean, that's amazing. To, I mean, it's a great, I think, law of, 
law of attraction story. I mean, there's something that you, they're thinking about at age 14 and you attract, you know, at a, at a later and year. And chances it was my beach. Yeah. Right there. Wow. That's really, that's really cool. Yeah. So, um, so then of course what that shows too is you can then create the next thing. Yeah. That whatever, um, you can, you know, you've got the capabilities to leverage anything in your life. Yeah, definitely. And what's so? What's the what's the name of the book, and when is when is it going to be out? Oh well, I, I won't say the name yet. Oh. But um, first, let's let's finish it, and <laughs> <laughs> it, it it takes a little while to get through publishing, you know, to have the printing and such of it. Oh. But it's 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 on its track. Oh well, that's that's exciting. I'm I'm excited to hear that. It sounds. That sounds really interesting too. I mean, I, I, for each year of our life, that would be really cool to, to read about that. Um, and you know, Vicky, we've we've covered a, a lot of ground. I mean, is there any is there anything that we haven't talked about that you feel like is important or that our viewers might want to know? Well, you know, you were you were especially saying. I, I think it would be nice for people to have a takeaway of. Okay, well then, how do I get my cash money? How do I pay my bills? Yeah, I, right, <laughs> right. Because you were, you know, addressing that. Yeah. Uh, and um, the way that you do that is. Let me see what the best and highest thing is to say about this. Is that you know we all already have all of it and so just right now if people can think rather than being in oh oh i have to get it from outside myself and pull it in just flip that feeling flip that running of the energy in the opposite way like what if you are the magnet what if it's within you already and you oh, like what I'm seeing right now is like a pilot light. The pilot light comes on and then, you know, and then the larger flame comes on from within. You can make any um, vision of it, but just switch that from trying to, you know, get it from the outside. Yeah, and I, I mean, I again, I I get that. I know what that means. But I mean, how would like you know how would you explain that to someone who hates their job, but they don't feel like they have a choice to change jobs, or they're really stressed out, or they you know they're just you know, suffering from depression. I mean, you know, if you tell them just be a magnet, you know, they might think you know I, I'm. I'm depressed. I hate my job. I'm, you know, I can't be a, 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 what do you mean? Be a magnet. I have bills to pay. I mean, what, what might be like, you know, for people, people really struggling out there, what might be some simple steps or practical ways to, to do that? I think the first thing is to be able to, um, to state for yourself that you hate your job and that you're depressed. Yeah. You know, you want to look at the depression. You want to look at, well, um, is this um, is this something that is um, a mood, or is this something that you 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 have struggled to climb out of for years and years, and you can't get out of that? 
um, then that would be something that you need to go and get help for in terms of medication, um, biofeedback, any of the techniques that are available right now. So what it is is it, it's, it's, a, it's a conversation with yourself around what are your needs. And if you really, really, really hate your job, then there's a lot of different ways that you can do something about that. Like, for instance, some people, um, the best way for them to hate their job, to get out of the job that they hate, is to start loving it. You know, like, for instance, if you want to sell a car, you wash it. And so then what you do then is you are there and you turn that around just in yourself, even though you can't stand, you know, the, the coworkers and everything, and you begin incrementally to start to open to possibilities of it. Well, why do you hate your job? Is it because your boss is patterning for you that it's your cruel father? See? So then you it's not about the boss. It's it's actually about you in relationship to how did you relate to dad? And what can you do now differently because you're an adult? You see, so so that so just in our own selves to begin to start noticing on our own behalf, in good, loving self-care, to find what really does it mean that I hate my job? And if it's if it's like you're being abused there, if it's extremely difficult, it's whatever any of those things, those then you have to get out. Yeah, you have to get out immediately. Yeah. Even you know, I mean, if you if you hate your job and it's ten years that you're hating the same job. What's going on? Why are you juicing yourself with a job that you hate? You see, there's some kind of benefit to that. Otherwise, you wouldn't still be there. So there are a lot of different ways that you work this. Now, there's uh, one of my clients recently. She uh, is um, she's young and she has a job and it's like a day job, you know, because she's, she wants to do film. Uh, and she can't. She hates her job. Okay, so we looked at her component of hating her job and what it was was that she actually is a person who is an emissary of light so she is and she knows this. she knows that she wants to spread light in the world and be radiant so where is she she's in a job that's dark that's the perfect place for her yeah so yeah. when she knows this and she's aware of that then she can spread the light in the darkness and then leave there when it's okay, I've done my job here, you know, and then you go. See, that by her interpretation of hating her job is completely different than the one that you were just saying. Uh, it would be somebody who would be overwhelmed and depressed and, you know, really in need of some, some other help um, to support him or her. Yeah, I mean, I like that. So, I mean, again, there's different different reasons. I mean, there might be somebody who's, truly depressed and might need medication or serious psychotherapy there might be other people who they're reenacting some of their past patterns there might be some who are in abusive environments who just need to change it um, but others who might be able to actually change the way they look at their job and their role and that might help them gain some more peace or purpose in it because right. everybody's story is uniquely their own and it's never, ever about hating the job or 
you know, illness, any particular illness and all, it's always that's just the current circumstance that's the best one to help you to see what yeah. you can change. And I know we've talked about this, so sorry if this seems repetitive, but how do you get people, like, as a, as a counselor or consultant, how do you help people get out of that mindset or victim mode? Like, I mean, what do you... What do you say to them? What do you ask them? Um, I mean, I'm sure it's different for different people. But. Yeah, it's true. But you just change the story. That's all. It's real simple. Um, I like, um, I believe in the um, pick-up stick theory of the universe. <laughs> you remember pick-up sticks was that you you throw the, the sticks and they pile up all over each other. And then to get to the red one, you have to move all the other ones and um, – and you can't move, you know, they can't disturb any of the other ones. Well, that's what you do. You start your pickup sticks and you, you know, like, well, okay, this one I can pick up. Yeah. This one's easy. This one, this one, this one, this one. And you take, you make it all the way down to the hard one, the red one. That's, you know, very difficult and probably is all the way through all the circumstances of your life. You've always got a red stick, you know, and the other ones could be changing at each time. So that's what you do. You just keep at it. Um, and not everyone is always interested in healing themselves or yeah. um, caring for themselves. You know, they uh, you've seen people who love to stay in their story. They love it. Yeah. Well, they're getting a benefit from that, and they enjoy that. And so you want to, in good kindness, leave people to their story and let them do that until they don't want to anymore. Yeah, that's that's really well said and, and really really helpful. Um, I, I mean, it's like you know, any I mean, any just any. Well, I'm, we've talked about this, but I mean, any advice for other counselors out there who might be, you know, they're having difficulty working with people, helping them get get out of their story. Um, I think that um, here's what I say to to counselors who are. Becoming counselors, you know. Yeah, I know. Um, um, make sure that the the check clears, and then just love them. <laughs> yeah. Because that's all that that's what it is. It's like it's not yours to make a decision about what somebody should do or not do in terms of judging. Because then you're you're making a judgment on uh, what's good or bad about their life. Yeah. And you don't know that. You don't know what the, um, the, 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 the variations are from, uh, you know, from a past life, from, you know, that they've kept to come together, you know, with a boss and such. So you, you, uh, what you want to do is just be in good kindness and allow that whatever the next thing for them is, that you give them space to step into that. And then the next and the next and the next thing. I like that. I like that. And, um, every question I ask, I think it's my last question, but then you say something that makes me more interested. <laughs> so, well, you know, and the, and the other thing too is around, um, oh, it just went out of my head. <laughs> so I guess we already must have covered that because it, it just left, but I had a point to tell. Um, but you mentioned past lives. So, I mean, you know, I, and I know this might depend on people's belief system, which yes. I respect. Um, but for those who do believe in past lives, you know, how would you help them get in touch with some of their 
patterns from their past lives? So whatever is going on in your life at this moment and whatever you are doing, you are doing for a very, very, very good reason. So often we think, oh, this is wrong. You know, they shouldn't be depressed or the, whatever the, the thing is or why this sickness and, you know, and this, um, and it's all correct and beautiful. And so then when you get with it and you harmonize with it and you, in some instances, just forgive yourself, forgive yourself for the fact that you're sick or, yeah. or depressed or hate your job or any of the things no money, you know, whatever, just forgive your, forgive it. It's like, well, let me just find what the benefit is. Why is this happening? And, and when you do that, like I, I know that uh, when I was a kid, there was no money. And so then I made the decision, well, then I'm going to get along without any money. Hmm. And I did a fabulous job of having a, a great life along the way, um, but I didn't need to have the money that other people had needed because I didn't need money for security because huh. I was I found my security elsewhere in my own self, and so I didn't need that. Like also with the fire, you know, when my, all my things are gone, yeah. you know, yeah. that's just fine. That's just fine. It's the most amazing thing. It's like, Oh, I have a memory of my couch. You know, um, and so that's a beautiful thing that you don't have to be um, require your stuff to allow for your security. Yeah. So everybody's got you know whatever is going on for them, and um, that you know to to look at those things and be in good kindness about everything that you're conducting yourself with. That it's correct. It's good reason for it, and then just keep uncovering the reason, and then you'll be fall in love with yourself. It's like, oh my gosh, no wonder I do that because that's a perfect thing. That was great. What a good idea. Yeah, and again, that kind of reminds me of what you were talking about at the beginning when you are letting go of grasping for that external thing and just being secure with yourself then it becomes much easier to attract and create abundance. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I was, um, there were many iterations of my um, letting go of my stuff. You know, like things, many, many things had to be just thrown out because yeah. it was, they were destroyed and other things contaminated and other things downsizing. And, you know, there were all kind of iterations around it. And so I was driving back there <laughs> And I was going to meet Salvation Army, and they were going to, you know, take up a whole bunch of load uh, with them. And I'm thinking, I, I, I recognized that I was, I was holding on to my table, like the last one. You know, I've got ten tables that were all gone. I was, I recognized, oh, hanging onto this table, you know, let it go, let it go, let it go. And I remember that when my mother was dying of cancer there was a poster in the hospital and it was a, a animated picture of somebody uh, hanging on a rope. And it said, when you get to the end of the, of your rope, tie a knot and hang on. And there was this poster and it was, it was wrong because it was the time for my mother to not hang on. But to yeah. my brother. And 
I I knew that from then, and I understood, you know, I had that capability in myself to let go of her and let go, so that it was like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm recognizing that I'm, I'm hanging onto the table that needs to be let go of, and then everything is fine because boop, they took the table easily. Yeah, that's true. It is. I mean, it's uh, it's almost like those Chinese finger traps. Like the more you pull, the more stuck you get. But when you just let go, you can relax, and it's it's easier to get out of it. Remember this: life works. Life works. It's an astonishing notion. Yeah, but it's true. It's true. And all the drama that happens in life is because we fight that. We want to control it. We want to have it be something other than what it is. Yeah, I mean, you're right. It's amazing how just by simply, you know, accepting what is, accepting our circumstances, even if we don't necessarily like them, we just become much more at peace and comfortable with it. Because once, once it is, once it is so, then you can change it. But if you, if you. Uh, go in and you don't like it and you want to change it. You can't change it from that position. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. So the acceptance, I don't like really the word acceptance because, um, because then that for people, it makes them feel like they have to agree with, you know, some abuse that was uh, visited upon them or some such as that. But the idea of, um, that what is, is, Oh, okay. There's what is, then it can is easy. It's immediately changeable, immediately. Yeah. But not. But first, you gotta, you know, um, know that it is. Yeah, that's a that's a fascinating way to look at it, and I I think that also can help people find greater meaning and purpose in their circumstances too when they stop fighting or resisting them. I mean, I'm reminded a little bit of Viktor Frankl in the book *Man's Search for Meaning*. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but he found meaning, meaning and purpose when he was in a Nazi concentration camp, and then went on to be the father of existential therapy and write that book that's helped so many people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, um, meaning is a funny thing because it's your choice. Yeah, you can have any meaning you want about anything. And if you want to have a, um, that, that everything is meaningless, that's a meaning. <laughs> and if that makes you happy to feel like there's that everything is meaningless, then you just go right ahead with that. But your your meaning is your choice. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> well, Vicky, this has been absolutely fascinating conversation i mean again I, I one thing i really like talking about you is you do a great job of taking some of these existential concepts and really breaking them down into very like practical and personal examples um so i, I really really appreciate you sharing your time sharing your stories and sharing your wisdom with us this is always just an honor and just a lot of fun too Oh, thank you. Well, I, I feel it the same way about you, Matt, and, and I've known you for some time. Look at you, and now you're, you know, you're doing all this um, work with people with depression and such, aren't you? Is that Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, um, I'm, I'm currently working as a psychologist at a VA, working with veterans who have depression, PTSD, job loss, homelessness, um, so it's... Uh, 
I mean, a lot of what you're saying, I'm like taking a lot of mental notes because I'll hopefully try to be able to impart some of this wisdom with them too. You know, PTSD is, is you know, it's, it's a very, um, it's a difficult circumstance for people to be in because they can't get a grip. You know, it's like you, you have to be able to. It, uh, it is. I mean, it's really, um, truly almost like hijack their brain. I mean, they get their fight and flight response turns on much quicker than the average person. So, you know, part of my work is similar to what you're talking about, helping them to recognize that pattern and then recognize I, I don't have to be afraid. I don't have, there's probably not a threat here. I can actually uh, calm myself down, but being able to recognize those patterns and what's going on does does help give them some insight into what's what is going on. Yeah, I think that um, story now is is really really um, infiltrating the society, and uh, so when you can switch your story about anything, <clears throat> it changes your reality completely. Yeah. So with PTSD, that's that can be valuable and work. Yeah, that's good. That's good to know. That's good to know. <laughs> You know, just, you know, change, just make a new character for yourself. Um, you know, write a, write a mini movie of one minute. Like what could be, <clears throat> what could be the story here instead of the story of fright around stepping off into traffic and, you know, and hearing the, the, the another bomb go off, that kind of thing. I've often thought, I mean, I've often thought about working with, I mean, I've started doing that a little bit. I mean, like if they're, you know, are you talking about if they're having like these nightmares or dreams to actually rewrite that nightmare or rewrite that dream in a different story and uh, a, a different outcome to help, to actually help them rewrite the, the way they, they wish or they'd like for their life to be? Is that what you're talking about? One of the things that would be very um, useful, especially for someone in the military who has um, been, um, because of combat, that they've been, they have this feeling, is um, ask them their um, their um, power, their uh, superpower. Allow them to become superheroes, and and find out what the superpower is. Yeah. And that's amazing. That's. Um, when they become, when they find the essence of their strengths and the core of themselves, because that's what they feel separated from. Yeah. You know, like like say they felt um, they they went to war feeling that they were very brave, and then the bomb went off and everybody was killed around them, and then they were frightened. Yeah. So they yeah. felt like they separated from their own identity because they they. You know, they're not supposed to be frightened. They were supposed to be brave. Yeah. And so then uh, if you change the story, if you allow that the superpower is one of compassion, one of, of course, you would you would um, be frightened by that because that's the superpower. That's not the kryptonite. It's the superpower. See, so then you shift those ideas and their meaning. Wow, that's that's interesting. So, I mean, and again, for them, it's such, a lot of times it is such a loss of, you know, the, their their strength, their identity. I mean, they may have experienced an attack, or one of their buddies got attacked, so they have this tremendous guilt. They feel helpless. I I, I mean, how do you, like how would you help 
them get their superpower back if they feel so helpless or so guilty that they've they, they caused them to get attacked or their friend to die. Yeah. So um, here's a funny thing that I feel about guilt. I don't really believe there's any such a thing. Okay. Now, that might sound, what? What do you mean? Because yeah. people are suffering from guilt. But I don't think it's guilt. I think that it's, um, it's um, not thinking enough of their own self in terms of they are magnificent, but oh, they must not be, but they, but the other guy was who died and they aren't and they're in shame. So it's more a shame of not being magnificent. And so then you want to juice people in that they, they are magnificent there. They were saved because there's, there's some very good reason for it. And their life now is to find that reason. Yeah. That's the driving force of their life. So that's a really good purpose. Yes, yeah, uh, you know, asking them why do you think you were saved? What's your purpose or mission now in life? And how can you get back in touch with that? Those sort of questions. Well, um, I would suggest that it's not that that hit the nail on the head. Because it's very difficult for someone who's just had you know PTSD. Yeah. But to just sit with them in terms of story of you know superpower of of being of, uh, that you will govern the, um, the conversation around allowing them to find their precious self again. Uh, and um, but you don't ask them because they'll they'll shrink back in. You know, oh, I'm I'm dirt. Right, you know, it's all you know. Shame is just completely showered over them, and so that you know that's like that's extremely painful. So you wanna um, you, that you can you can be mindful of where you're you're going, and map it out, but but you don't um, require the person to step into their powers and if they are lost. And uh, yeah, and I mean how. Like, how would you do that if, I mean, what, what sort of things would you talk to them about or ask them about if they do have so much shame and you're trying to help them get back in touch with their self? I mean, how would you govern that conversation? Well, I, that's what I was saying about, you know, um, ask them about their superpower. See okay. what you're like, what, what were you like when you were a kid? Oh, you know, did you play, did you play war when you were a kid? What did you, oh yeah, yeah. You know, I had the army guys and the little kid, and then you know, and I put them up in the on the hill, and then I strategized, and yeah, yeah, we were really good. You see, so then you get them in touch with what is good and right and beautiful about them, right. and then from there, you you um you, it's like you reintroduce them to that they are. Uh, you know, an exquisite, special, alive, precious being. Yeah. And they are still here being precious and alive. And so then they are to carry out that same preciousness and continue with that. But if you try to, um, like, uh, allow, make them articulate it at first, they'll, they'll just, you know, they'll do like right. this. Right. So helping them get back to more to their 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 childlike superpowers or their you know what were your what, what were some of your superpowers before you went off to war as a child and some of those types of questions 
Yeah, or just listen. You yeah. know, just listen to people and 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 ask not a clinical question, but a, a curiosity question. You know, like, oh yeah, well, you know, oh, did you, what kind of army guys did you play with? Yeah, were they? You know, what did you think about? You know, did they? How do you remember they? They were shaped with that GI Joe. You know, I had GI Joe. Did you, you know. Uh, uh, just allow I'll, I'll give you an example from when I was um, a, a kid uh, we had a, a, a man on our street who had been a medic in the war and he came back and since then he was um, he would just uh, sit with his baseball mitt and his ball and he would just throw it into the or hit it against the schoolyard wall you know and um because of the experience that he had then, they, you know, they didn't call it PTSD at that time. It was just battle fatigue, whatever the thing yeah. was. But I I could see from him that um, he had the experience that as a medic, um, some somebody blew up and he ran and picked out all the pieces of the person and put them back on the stretcher. And these things were happening, you know, uh, recurringly. And so now, there he was, you know, and this was this, the position that he was in. But such an exquisite human being. He was so compassionate and so dear and so sensitive and so loving. That's not a wrong thing. That's an exquisite thing. Yeah. And so there he was, and I could see as a, as a kid, because I have remembrance, I could see the dead soldiers playing ball with him. Jeez. And that was like their noble service back to him. Yeah, that was his life. That's you know how he did. But that's a beautiful thing. That's not something to judge and think. Oh well, you know, um, uh, he's never going to be. You know, he's going to be the same. Or how, how? What a shame! Or any of those things. Yeah. You see? That's um. Yeah, finding that that compassion. I mean, compassion in yourself and compassion in them for what they've gone through. Yeah, just, you know, glory of a, a, another human being sitting across from you. You know, we're all just astonishing. We're yeah. astonishing. <laughs> so to get somebody, uh, um, you know, invite them back to their their astonishing self. Because that's what they feel. They feel like they failed. They feel like they're, they're I hear a lot, you know, a piece of dirt, you know, they'll say, or... Um, they, you know, they just, they feel like less than zero. Yeah. Zero, you know, zeros in this world. You add zeros to your money and then you're a millionaire, you know. <laughs> so you want those zeros. You don't want to dismiss those. Right. Yeah. Um, well, Vicki, I mean, thanks again so much for sharing your, your time and your wisdom um, with us. This has just been very like very practical and very profound conversation. So I really, really appreciate it and really appreciate uh, your time and everything. Yes. Well, I appreciate you too, Matt. And, you know, and best of luck with your, with your work. I know you're so sincere and I know that you're doing, you know, um, wonders with the, the clients that you're working with. Yeah. Oh, thank you. And, and you too. And if people wanted to get in touch with you, what's the best way to get in touch with um, you probably my my um my uh, uh gmail it's inner method at gmail right. I can that sounds contact good. me there that, that's probably the most immediate place 
All right, well. Website is vickyking.com. Um, but, you know, InterMessive will get directly to me. All right, that sounds great. Well, Vicky, thanks again so much for being here, and I'll I look forward to our next conversation. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Bye for now, and thank you for introducing me to Sky. I know this is this is exciting for me too. It's so good. All right. Okay, I guess we just click off, right? Yes. <laughs>